Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, everyone, to the FlowTrack Podcast, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Back on our regular Monday morning slot, things thawing out here in Austin, Texas. Gordon, I looked at the boil water notice for the city of Austin, Texas this morning. I still need to boil my water, but if I'm not mistaken, your house is all good at this point. Is that correct? Well, I don't know. Is it? Looks like things down south on the east side, you were okay. I missed it by a couple blocks. And then everything south of me, closer to downtown, where you're at, looked to be good. So I think if you run your water for a minute in each faucet, make three things of ice, dump them out, I think you're good to go. I'm still TBD. Three things of ice? Yeah, which is tough because my ice machine is weird. Like, I don't know how you do three things of ice in mine uh, because I can't I can't get to it. I can't access it to get it out and dump it. It's behind almost lock and key. So, hey, I'm just fortunate that we're Here's the thing. coming back to normal a little bit. Don't tell me you drank the water the last couple of days. You did, didn't you? No, I, 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 I brushed my teeth a couple of times, not thinking about it. I think I'm fine. I haven't grown an amoeba in my stomach yet so i think i should be fine yet yeah i mean uh, i think the the odds are if one mistake of drinking it isn't going to kill you that's the odds just i just didn't want you pounding water after your time no i wasn't pounding water i wasn't doing okay that. good good i good, wasn't good. pounding water um so again we were not able to travel to las vegas last week to take in the battleborn collegiate classic those of you who listened to the show on was that thursday found out when i did live obviously we were bummed to miss it and then i see the results and and it was a obviously a compelling race as we thought which is why we wanted to go in the first place but even more interesting i think than i thought with the emergence of new mexico on the women's side obviously some unpredictable results on the men's side what was the first thing that that jumped out to you when you saw those results well i think starting the men's side was the fact that Luis Corjalvo got fourth. And mm-hmm. we up until that moment, we were thinking Luis is the favorite, even against a Mance or Wesley Kiptu or Cooper Tier if he comes back from indoor season. Uh, I don't know if this performance, though, shakes my confidence in him because I think when you get fourth in the race where your teammates are going one-two, and you know you have a teammate right behind you. I don't. I think there's not as much on the line. So like mm-hmm. finishing fourth in this race isn't that big of a deal. I mean, there's times when you know Chesrack would finish like third or second in like a regional meet, right? And mm-hmm. didn't mean anything, right? So I think it's because he just hasn't raced in a while. And the fact that we saw Nico Young and Abdi Hamanur up front, push the pace. Mm-hmm. They all ran like 30 seconds faster than the previous time they were there. I think NAU for sure has three guys who could all now finish top 10. I think Abdi Hamman now is not just saying, hey, I could be your 25th placer. I think Abdi Hamid, you could argue, could finish 10th. And if you have Luis, Nico, and Abdi Hamid, three in the top 10, that's going to be pretty hard to beat. Yeah, and another great race. For Nico Young, he finishes second again. But if anybody out there thought the first one was beginner's luck, which does not exist in distance running, but if anybody had that notion in their head, this this is legit. This is for real. Nico Young is going to be a – he said he thinks he can get top five this year in the NCAAs, and that's not, that's not a presumptuous statement to make. I'd be a little concerned about Grijalva, but on the – in the aggregate 
I'm more confident about NAU. Like, I know last time we went to Las Vegas, you presented them with the trophy at the end of the meet for nationals. I think I might have been tempted to in this situation. I wouldn't have done it. But to me, two two results stand out. And it's not from the first three, although those are mighty impressive. It's for uh, Blaze Farrow, who finished fifth overall, 22-42, only 12 seconds back of Nur and Nico Young. Now, remember, Blaze Farrow... You followed the team last year. You know this, so I'm not telling you anything. Was banged up, was hurt, was barely running at all. Had some good results in the middle of the season, but then ultimately at Nationals did not did not run well. And if he had a, a good race at Nationals, obviously could have made up a ton of points. The fact that he's only 12 seconds back from those guys is huge. And then you drop down to their number five guy on the day who finished eighth in this race, Birdie Hasty, 23-23. Again, He's not up there with the big three, but compared to where he was last time in Las Vegas, where you essentially buried him and said, you know, you put him out to pasture. You said Brody Hasty uh, is 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 barely going to be in the top seven. That's a good road. That's a good result. That's a good result. And if he's your fifth guy or he's your he's your insurance policy in sixth, that's a good spot to be in because you're in front of what? Brody Hasty was in front of Stanford's two and Colorado's three. That's a good spot to be in if you're NAU. So one thing to think about perspective, though. While the name brand of Stanford and Colorado is pretty sexy, Stanford and Colorado are not going to finish top seven at Nationals. I think they're more of a 10 to 13 team. So the result makes sense, the way they dominated those two teams, because just Stanford and Colorado are kind of on a down year. it's still a great win, but I do think when you kind of compare these results to other results and what people are doing on the track, um, NAU's standing in the in the nation didn't really change much. I think Blaze maybe got a little bit better, but like Brody Hasty's like mark from Oklahoma State in October is pretty much a similar mark than what he ran here in November. In, Nevada so mm-hmm. like he was just a, the same percent back he was from a Connor Mance in Oklahoma State it's the same percent back he was from like a Luis Carhalva here in Nevada so not much has really changed but that's, be- but that's better than he was in yeah that's better than he was a couple weeks ago in, in Las Vegas yes right? he improved from his down race but he didn't over improve from his best race of the regular season so far but at least he showed that I'm he's just not looking at, done. Yeah. Yeah, but look he's at so watched. look at Stanford. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, look at Stanford. I didn't say that. That was that was you who, who said that, uh, which I thought was a little getting a little ahead of yourself. No. Uh you look at Stanford's freshman here, Hicks and Sprout, who finished sixth and ninth in this race. I get that you're saying Stanford's not going to be a podium team, but you know, Sprout was fifth at that FSU race, and he was what? You know, he was 30 seconds back of Herrera. I guess he was 40 seconds back of Kip 2. I just think if if you want to use Kip 2 as as a stand-in for one of the top guys, if Brody Hasty, if any if NAU's fifth or sixth guy is a minute back or 50 seconds or 45 seconds back of Kip 2, this thing's not going to be close, is what I'm saying. Yeah. One Why don't you think NAU's the favorite, Gordon? I don't understand. Why I do, do I have to convince favorite. you of <laughs> No, I I just don't, I think like, you think I'm overreacting? Res- I think no. I I think Brody Hasty is all is still the same Brody Hasty he was after the October meet. That's all I'm saying. Okay, it's not like I all of a sudden Brody Hasty's like he's going to finish twentieth and they're going to put seven in the top twenty. I don't think that's happening. Uh, but I do one if you look at so based on sources. So if you look at the the photo that they took, um the NAU took after the meet, there was an athlete in the photo that isn't on the results. And that athlete mm. is Drew Bosley. Bosley not ran Baxter. in this race. <laughs> not, not, not Baxter. Drew Bosley, who's their top returner from NCAA Cross last year, ran in this race. He's a true sophomore. He dropped out after 5K on purpose. So mm. if they're like trying to... If they also have him as another, because kind of we're forgetting about him, 
But if he is truly their number yeah. three or four guy, and Blaze Farrow is actually like their fifth man, then it's just like, yeah. all right, game over. Uh, I do remember there was a there was a year back in 2016 when any during any's first like uh, start of their run, there was like an early meet where one of their top seven guys finished like in 30th place, and the rest of them were all like in the top 10, and. Mm-hmm. It was confusing. It's like, oh, he must not. It must not been a good day for him. He finished thirtieth, but it turned out that athlete. I think it was like his name was like Nathan Whites. He was tempoing the run, so he was in the race, but he wasn't actually in the race. He was like being told to tempo it, and I think that's what they did here with Drew Bosley, where he was in the race, but he wasn't going. He was only there to run a five thousand, and then he did a workout after. So it's mm. just like, okay, uh, we still don't know what Bosley is. But we know Bosley is healthy. They just haven't shown his card yet, which maybe we'll see at Big Sky, which is next week. I don't know. But yeah, it's another body that hey, NAU, they're not they're not thin by any means. They got they got a lot of depth. Let me just say dropping out at 5K and then doing a workout is some next level NCAA cross country stuff. That just takes it <laughs> to a whole new level. That makes not running the race and doing a workout the day of seem like child's play. That's a high level Mike Smith stuff right there. Like we're going to, we, we, we can't do a 5k by ourselves as part of a workout. We want to put you in the race, but not the entire race. And then you're going to do the workout after to get a little bit more volume. I think they come out of this weekend as bigger favorites than they went in. You may disagree with me well, on that because that. you had them. Okay. Well, because you had them at a, at a higher spot going in. I think, I think Grijalva finishing five seconds back is not that big of a deal, especially because he didn't run the last race, and we don't really know why he didn't run the last race. Maybe he's just getting sharp. And then having Nur and Nico Young there, one, two. Again, beating – let's just use Eduardo Herrera, who was, who was third, who broke up that NAU contingent up there. Eduardo Herrera is a really good runner for – for Colorado. I mean, he was second in that FSU race, which was the other big cross country meet uh, of the past couple months. He was about 15 seconds behind Wesley Kiptu. So NAU is fine. They're in a good spot. If Bosley decides to run nationals and not do it as part of a tempo run, maybe combine it with indoors, he could get three or four <laughs> sessions in over the uh, over the course of a few days. You're right. Then you then you slide Hasty back to sixth. And then you have a really, really solid group up there, and you can avoid, or you can, you can encounter a, a few bumps in the road, and still be fine. Because I would not want to. The thing that would be keeping me up at night, if I was an NAU fan, NAU coach, would be, would be relying on freshmen, or even sophomores, in this position, in this weird season, in a, on a very challenging course. But now with all this depth, all the responsibility is spread over five or six guys. And you can see a scenario where a lot of different guys could lead this team. And you have a lot of different combinations that could get you to to a winning score. I mean, if we flash forward to three weeks from now to Nationals, BYU also has a really good big three. They all ran sub-1330 on an indoor track. You could argue BYU and NAU cancel each other out after three. And really, it's going to be whoever has the best fourth man. I've said this mm-hmm. every, um, like 20 out of the past 22 NCAA championship teams, mm-hmm. their fourth runner was the best fourth runner compared to anyone else on yeah. uh, among the other 30 teams. And so if Blaze Farrow beats Clayson Shumway, NAU wins. If Clayson Shumway beats Blaze Farrow, BYU will win. It just comes mm-hmm. down to that. And so – yeah. But it's interesting, though. You have – you mentioned it before where Abdiham and Nerd, you're not thinking of him as a top 25 guy. Now you're thinking of him as top 10. Yeah. How many teams – how many teams can say that where you have three, maybe even four people who on a good day could finish that high up? And they're not all going to do it BYU. on the same day. Sure. And that's Gar- it. Gar- but Gar- even Gar- that's a – that's a stretch though, right? That's a that's a that's a really, really good day for him. Yeah, but also be a really it. good day for Abdi Hamid. 
Yeah, but I mean, he's, he's winning these races. He's winning. I mean, we saw Garnica run in Las Vegas last time. I mean, he was in the mix there, but you'd obviously put Young ahead of him. You'd always put, you know, you put yeah. his two teammates in front of him. You got to figure Kip too. Like, like when you, when you total it all up, and again, they're not all going to have their best race on the same day, but if four of them or three of them have a chance to finish top 10 and one or two of them do it, you're just in a massive, you're at a massive advantage in the rest of the field. We got an email speaking of which about the top four thing. Someone fact check you, fact checked you on this. It says you talked about the fourth man. This is Kevin, not me. Being a good predictor, how do you have Washington ranked so low when their fifth man uh, beat BYU's fourth man in the 5K last week, all while they had a guy break the NCAA 1500 meter record in a different meet? Boom. First of all, uh, Sam Tanner, great, great athlete. Doesn't mean it, Sam Tanner is not projected to be a top 10 cross country finisher. So just because you have a 334, 1500 meter run on your squad doesn't mean he's a top 10 cross. I mean, mm-hmm. Sam Rand crossed last year and finished like in the hundreds or two hundreds. So uh, even so we do that. And then also it's not like it, the, the rule applies to nationals and nationals only. It doesn't apply to a random indoor 5k and BYU again, not every second place NCA team has the second best fourth man. You know, mm. not every third place NCA team has a third best fourth man. It's only the, the rule only applies to the winning team. If you want to be gotcha. the winning team, you have to have the best fourth man. The rest after that it changes. It's chaos, but it's just the winning mm-hmm. team. Okay. So Let's talk about the women. Let's talk about the women where Stanford. They go one to Ella Donahue and then freshman Sophia Dudek. Taryn O'Neill was third. We saw her win the last time we were on Las Vegas. Unfortunately, probably the last time ever we'll be in Las Vegas. Sad. Just sad. I'm still sad. But look, here's the headline. New Mexico wins it with 60 points with a one through five spread of 16 seconds. I think Joe Franklin and the gang, they took your rankings. They put them on a big old bulletin board in Albuquerque, and they started throwing darts at them over and over again because they are now in the title conversation gordon after scoring 60 points and only a 16 second one through five spread that's remarkable yeah joe texted me after saying oh. can we move up from can we move up from 14 smiley face <laughs> he said how you like me i now? said yeah i said yeah you're, you'll move up uh they just all their athletes were unknown, but now they're known, and now they'll move up. They'll they'll be mm-hmm. either first, second, third, or fourth in my rankings when we release them. Uh, yeah. So New Mexico shows that they're now in the tier of we can win. Mm-hmm. Again, though, the thing that New Mexico doesn't have that BYU has, that Stanford has, that um, NC State might have, that Washington might have, is they don't have like two or one stars that's going to finish like top 10 right mm-hmm. like ava cohen what place did she finish in that race sixth how many six so how many seconds back was she from like dudek and and uh how many how many she seconds back was well she? 15 seconds back 15 yeah so it's, it's, a, it's a lot 15 seconds over a 6k it's pretty it's a lot and then so they're gonna be relying on getting five bodies finishing between 25 and 50 and then hope that that's yeah. enough to win, which it might be because like we said, this is going to be a high scoring affair. The team is the best team this year on the women's side is not going to score 70 points or 80 points. They're going to score 150 points and mm-hmm. you can get to 150 with a small spread that is in the twenties to fifties. And mm-hmm. That would work. So it's going to be a weird race because New Mexico might be might win it, and the entire time you're watching it, you're not going to see a single New Mexico jersey on the screen, and you're going to be confused. Right, right. You're like, I see two BYU come across. I see an NC State. Okay, there's a Stanford's top two. Yeah. And then you don't see New Mexico until 25, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, New Mexico won? And I think that could be the result we get. Is Washington a title contender still? Yeah, they still have yet to run their number one runner, who is Melanie Smart, who ran in the December 5K at the track meet. Mm-hmm. She ran like a 
15, 40 something, um, you throw her in, they they get good. Now, Washington, it's going to take a little more work for them, but they're in that mm-hmm. conversation. The conversation is going to be BYU, Stanford, NC State, New Mexico, and Washington. That's that core. Teams. Five teams. If Arkansas is wild all of a sudden and the meat results are just crazy, Arkansas could sneak in. Alabama could sneak in. But those are the five. BYU, Colorado, you're Colorado, you're putting no. out. Yeah, they're Colorado, not. Okay. Colorado's a no. Boise was fourth in this race with 101, and NAU was third in 100. <laughs> 100. Uh, so two points separated NAU, Boise, and Colorado. But you don't have any of those teams as national. NAU, I actually have like top 10, which is wild okay. for the women. I mean, two years ago, they never made the meet for like mm-hmm. 10 plus years. And now then they make it, and now they're potentially top 10 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah, so five, really just five this... teams. Five teams. Okay, I think it might be down to three. I think oh, it might be down three. to three. New Mexico, BYU, and just NC State because we just don't know because because we haven't seen them. I'm I'm gonna keep them in there. I know I was I was the Stanford cheerleader on here, but I it's getting down to it. There's one more meet until nationals. Correct. They have yeah. conferences, and you that's it. You don't believe it. in Lawson anymore. Well, so Donahue and Dudek are solid. They go 1-2 in this one. But then a, a decent gap back to Haymack in 13th, and then another 10 seconds to Lawson in 21st. And their fifth was 48. Aubrey Roberts, who I thought would be higher up, was 21-17. So she was basically, what, a minute and a half back as their sixth runner. I don't know if they have any other people that they can – that they can run. I just contrast that to, let's just look at BYU. For example, we talked about New Mexico. Let's look at BYU. You know what you're going to get with Whitney Orton. Even if she has a bad day, she's going to finish top five. Anna Camp, you think is a top six runner in the nation because you have a rank sixth and she just ran that fast. I mean, 3, she ran, yeah, she ran like 854 or 852. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have a solid three and four. We saw them in Las Vegas with Frenthaway and, and Holiday. And then really it's just, do one of those other women there figure in and, and can they get a five by by committee? I don't know if anybody's jumped out yet, at least to us, to the outside, to see. So they, to me, look like solid. Like they basically have what Stanford has in one and two and then a lot more consistency through the next couple runners. NC State, again, like you know you're going to get something good with with Steelman and they have a lot of pieces behind that could make up a 140 point team. And if you're saying 140 is going to win it, then that opens things up. Stanford, again, I guess, I guess we've seen it twice now though. Uh, and it hasn't quite been there. So maybe they'll really pop off at pac 12s and I'll, I'll change my mind. Uh, Washington again. Yeah. You're waiting for smart, but even if you put smart in this race, well, I, I guess that puts them in the mix if if she wins the race or fins, finishes second or third. But I don't. I see a little bit of separation between those top three and four and five right now. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how the non, like the the schools that competed mainly in cross during the fall, how they do when it comes down to it because. There might be an advantage to having a bunch of like cross country races and reps under your belt yeah, yeah. going into nationals. I mean, uh, Iowa State and Oklahoma State, they are putting on a last second cross country meet on Tuesday of this week. Like mm. four days out, three days away from their indoor championship, they're going to run a cross country go? meet in, o- in Oklahoma State. No, I'm not going. But like, <laughs> I think that was probably, I think Oklahoma State probably was like, Hey, if we want to do well, we can't just like yeah. run our first cross country race at nationals. Like we have to at least get Isai Rodriguez a little bit like used to running on grass again. Yeah. And I think like the Arkansas, the NC States, they might struggle a bit because these other teams are gonna be race sharp, I feel. They're just track sharp, which is not the same. So I think well, that's we know a it's a hard course. How that yeah. It's challenging. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. 
who would you pick on the women's side or who would you feel more confident on the women's side if this was a traditional year and we had regionals and we had all everybody only focused on cross country nc state okay and then who does this sort of we're in a little bit of a chaos scenario right now who does the chaos scenario favor do you think the most not necessarily who's going to win but who is served best by it say byu no new mexico because byu is doing a little bit of indoor so it might mess Mm -hmm. up their their uh their feng shui yeah and well and with new mexico you could see because the year is so weird and because the score is going to be so high for the winner you could see like as you mentioned oh their first runner doesn't come in until 20 and they somehow win the meet or 25 and they somehow win the meet just because yeah. oh it's not as deep as we thought it was or this person decided to focus on indoors all these strange occurrences could lead to unexpected results because you're right i think in a traditional year you did that analysis of of one through five i i did the i did or the analysis of, of the fourth runner i looked one year and um even though it is a a team sport and five score there's a limit to how far your number one can drop and still win just history yeah. tells us that i don't think the men have ever i'm trying to pull up the article uh right now but yeah so since they went to let's see this goes back to 21 years right um, the lowest a championship team has had their finisher, their top finisher finish, I believe this is correct, is 10th. That's the lowest it's ever been. And the average is 4.1. What was, was, how low, what was that Oregon, Michigan year? That was you thinking about you about twenty sixteen, yeah, yeah. Fa- so okay, this is Oregon's one, and this is points, right? So this is this is the raw this is the raw score. So it's not the oh, okay actual placing. Um, Oregon, their number one was four. They they went four nine sixteen forty seven forty nine. They scored one hundred twenty five and they won by one. <laughs> yeah. So the and then in twenty thirteen, Providence scored one forty one. In 2011, Georgetown scored 162, but Georgetown had Emily Enfeld there scoring three. Providence, their number one runner, scored five. Uh, 2007, Stanford, 145. 2006, Stanford, 195, Gordon. 195. But they went. the score of that? Three, 27, 45, 58, 62. Their fifth scored a 62. Uh, and they won by 28 points too. So they're the second best team was in the two tens. There's been some high scores uh, recently. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, the men, yeah. a little bit different story on the men. I, I won't get into the men. Um, well, I'll say the, the average number one for the men is 3.77. So the lowest men's winner, 10th uh, individual score 10. That was the 2007 Arkansas team. The more you know, the more you know. The more you know. All right. Anything else with NCAA's over the weekend? Uh, I, we can talk about this later. But I was looking at some of the indoor marks. Mm-hmm. Guess what? The twelfth, like, it's kind of hard to run a fast DMR during conference. So typically, most of the yeah. conference, most of the like DMR marks are kind of set in stone. Check out what the twelfth. What do you think the twelfth best DMR time is this year for the men? Yeah, dude, I, I'm. I got to admit, I struggle when it comes to DMR times. Okay, uh, so typically like ten, ten oh five nine. No, no, it's not that bad. So, so typically to qualify for nationals, like five years ago, you could get in with a nine thirty two, but like. The past like five years, it's been like you need to be yep. nine thirty or faster. 
So not this 10.05. Year, no, this year, Virginia could get in with a 9.48. And then the Pittsburgh could get in with a 9.40. And I was like, 9.48, that is slow. There's teams out there who can get in to this meet if they wanted to, if they tried. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I just think that like it's kind of wild that if because of this whole situation that we're going to see a 948 DMR squad go to nationals. Like that's it's insane. Uh, I thought a lot of them were going to run at JDL, but they didn't end up running at JDL. Cuz a well, couple months back. We still got back, some. We still got some. There was a few but but on the women's side, I thought Stanford was going to go there and then they end up running cross country instead. I think there was there's some teams that have made some choices. That seems pretty clear. And they don't have crazy amounts of depth to spread around. So they're having to focus on one season or the other. Yeah. And this is going to be anyway. interesting looking at like these conference championships that come up and yeah. how like the points are skewed. Like we already seen it at Conference USA this past weekend. Charlotte men went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in the 3K. In their conference, because That's like sweep. it's called sweep. It's a, because UTEP didn't even show up. I'm sure Middle Tennessee mm-hmm. State was like doing their own thing, whatever. But like, it's kind of hard to do that. But I think that we're going to see a lot of that type of stuff happening in these conference championships. Where like, is Notre Dame going to show up to SCC, ACCs on the like? Yared's not going to run the mile. Probably are they going to do it? Like, you're going to see all these schools like have all these opportunities yeah. to like score points that they would never have had because. Their star distance runner, distance runners in that conference aren't sh- going to be running. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so we have not much left in the if we're uh, in either season, right? We essentially have conference weekends, conference weekends, and yep. then we're going to nationals. And you're picking all the teams that get to go for cross country, which is a lot of responsibility. <laughs> I wish I could pick. I would actually pick it correctly. Are you doing the first four out yet? You need to do a first four out. I already, I yeah, I had the first four out on there. Okay, good, 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 good. So if people want to see it. What's it? What's it called? Exitology. Exitology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll probably update okay. it again uh, later this week. But as of February 11th, I have the locks, the likely invites, mm-hmm. the last teams in, and the first teams out for men and women. Is Oregon in for the men? Yeah, I have them in because I just assume that they're going to run Pac-12s. And then if you run your guys at Pac-12s, they're going to finish top five. So Yeah. So so Pac-12s is not this weekend, but next weekend? Yeah, so this upcoming weekend is indoor champs, and then the weekend after is cross-country champs. Mm. Just the way I drew it up. And then you have – yeah. Okay, so just to to look. So that would mean Saturday the 27th, indoor – then the sixth would be cross, and then what? That following Sat Friday, no, yeah, Friday Saturday would be indoor, right? Indoor. NCAA's yep. with twelve, thirteenth, and then I mean we're getting down, we're getting down to it, which is why teams that ran poorly or underperformed this past weekend, I'm a little more cautious about picking them than I would in any other year with a random midseason meet. I mean we're four weeks away. From like yeah. this would be win in in a regular season because you know co- uh, conference is what three weeks out usually. Yeah, yeah. We've seen I mean, some turnarounds. We're, pre-nat- we're, pa- we're, pa- we're past the pre-nats phase of the season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess you see some people come on late and debut and have a f- and have a fine season. My feeling though is because there's been such a long layoff. If you're not racing yet, there's got to be some issue because wouldn't you want to be out there racing? You haven't had an opportunity to race in forever. It's not a typical, well, their outdoor season went a long time, so we're going to wait to debut them in cross until conference. And then they come out and they're fine. They tempo their way through regionals, and then they run well at NCAAs. I just think we'd, we'd see people at some point run well. Do you have that same assumption? Am I off base? No, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk pros. Uh, the 10 took place in 
California on Saturday night. People going for 10,000 meter standards. And surprise, surprise, Gordon. They got them. They got them. Uh, let's start with the women here. Elise Cranny, 30-47, wins it. Outkicks Krisha Schweizer down the home stretch. Ailish McCorgan of Great Britain gets third. Emily Enfeld and Mariel Hall also get the Olympic standard. Enfeld goes 31-08, and Mariel Hall runs 31-21. Let me just start with Cranny. Nobody's stock has improved more in the past year than Elise Cranny. If she breaks 1450 in the 5,000, then she moves up in distance, runs 30-47. There's going to be a lot of women with the Olympic standard for the Olympic trials. So just having the standard isn't a guarantee that you're going to make the team or makes it very likely that you make the team as it's been in years past. But man, you look at what she's done coming out of Stanford where she was really good for a long time, but never got an individual national title. Even going back to high school, great in high school, but was in a really good class and was overshadowed a bit. Now she just seems to be coming into her own and she's a threat now, Gordon, to make the team in either the five or the 10, just a remarkable rise for her over the past year. So that mark, is that the third all-time mark that she ran? She's the third fastest woman. There's multiple. US. Yeah. 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 What's your reaction to that? That Elise Cran do you believe Elise Cranny is the third fast is the third greatest female ten thousand meter runner in US history? Well, no, because I don't base it just on times. You have to win medals and things like that. I believe she's the third fastest because I believe the clock uh was accurate. Shalane Flanagan's run faster than that uh, several times. Molly Huddle, of course, has the American record. Yeah, I mean, if they're beating Krisha Swizer, who's fourteen twenty in the five k, <laughs> uh, then you're pretty dang good. She's legit. She's definitely legit. And I, th I think it's interesting though, because she kind of did to Schweizer what Schweizer had done to Hulahan when you go back to that indoor 3k when you lost your mind commentating in bu right before things got shut down uh like you just constantly see one upping in that group with bowerman it's like someone sets the bar and they seem like they're unbeaten and then the next person unbeatable and then the next person comes through and yeah manages to well, do well it. the question i guess i was asking from you is like are these there's something about these fast times that just seems a little off and not in a nefarious way at all. And not oh, even in a shoe tech. Are you doing shoes? Not are even, you doing shoes, no, 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 not shoes Please either. don't do shoes. I'm not even too early to I'm do shoes. I'm not even thinking about shoes. They could have been doing it barefoot for all I care. Okay. <laughs> There's just something about the past two years that the Bowerman athletes have been handed or given or the opportunity that has never happened in the history of the sport. And by that opportunity, I mean, they have been given the ability to basically create their own track and field federation. The Bowerman yeah, yeah, track yeah, and field yeah, federation yeah, where yeah. they are members of the Bowerman diamond league where all their meets are Bowerman-sanctioned mm -hmm. with the Bowerman-approved pacers, with the Bowerman-approved dates, Bowerman-approved locations. Approved, 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 right? Yeah. And I think when you have that, you basically are able to truly peak to your yes. peakest of all peaks. And I think that's what, that's why Elise Cranny can run the third fastest time ever it's because Kara Goucher was never given two straight years of like, yep. here, you're going to run on your own track and we're just going to hire a timer. And every time you at your all time peak, we're going to count it as a time, you know? And I think uh, when we look at these marks, even on the men's side, and you see like, we'll talk about the men's side after, but like, I think we just have to put a little perspective on it is that these marks are given an advantage of, unique yeah, but that circumstances and opportunities 
that I think a lot of other athletes, if they had, could be running in that same realm. Yeah, but that doesn't That's explain why. But but even to be the best among Bowerman takes a lot. So if you, if you just compare apples to apples here, it's remarkable that Cranny is beating Christian Schweizer. That's what I'm saying, is even in that world that they've created – she's still rising to the top. And I think that's mighty impressive. No, I agree with you hundred percent. You know what they always say in football, especially when it comes to college football and bowl games. And they say, man, you give Nick Saban a month to prepare. He's going to figure out a way to slow down that quarterback. You give Jerry Schumacher a year or two to create a schedule, to choreograph a meet with all of the depth that he has, with all the resources he has, with all of the knowledge and planning that he is capable of and the minute details that he structures for these athletes, this is what you're going to see. So I think you're 100% right, 100% right with this. We saw it with the, the Woody Kincaid breakthrough. We saw it last summer with Shelby and Chris Schweizer and Mohamed just dropping monster times. You're right. People want to ascribe it to other reasons. And I'm sure there's a percentage here or a half a percentage here or there. But I think you're right they've been allowed and they've been able to create the shadow track series where they control every single detail. And I think that a hundred percent matters because even in the world of halves, and as you, you mentioned, you know, Kara Goucher or, or any star from the past, Chris Zielinski, whoever was a sponsored Nike athlete with a lot of resources, they haven't had this level of control over their racing opportunities. And they haven't been in a group that's this deep that is able to provide what they can provide. Sean McGordy paced through 8K perfectly in that race, right? On the women's side, Vanessa Frazier then set it up for Courtney Frerichs. Right? You're getting a silver medalist in the steeplechase. She's not worried about the steeplechase, right? She's being a great teammate and she's taking them there through 6,400 meters. And then they have so much depth to work off of. I think you give Jerry Schumacher that blank canvas and say, your job is to have these people run as fast as they want. You don't need to go to Europe. You don't need to worry about anything else other than how quickly can they get across the line. This is the result. Yeah. You don't need to, you don't need to do like check-in at the, at the clerking tent. You don't need a, you, you, <laughs> right, you don't right, need right, a, right. The, <laughs> the pressure of like fans screaming or whatever, you know, it's just like, it's just, well, and that's why. And then, yeah. It also was, kind of gave me a thought. Could this backfire? In terms I, of they're I, not race ready? Yeah. Like when they go to the trials, all of a sudden they've been we'll see. They've been getting in the habit of two years of just like, oh, mm -hmm. this is how track meets work. It's just like yeah. Jerry World. Uh and then now when you're at the Olympic trials and it's you don't get to control anything. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You know, do you think that, you know, I mean, Shelby's still going to be Shelby, right? But like, yeah, yeah. It could be a factor. It could be like a, like, if I were, I mean, maybe Jerry's thinking about this, but you have to think he's going to have to be like, hey, we can't just do this all the time until we get to the trials. Right. We have to at least throw in a couple meets of, you don't know the pace, you don't know this, you don't, you know, it could go, it could go slow for no reason. You know, you just have to be prepared for that. Well, I think that's what he's going to do because now he's knocked off all the times that they need at this point, correct? Pretty much everybody who is a threat now has the standard for the most part. And now you reset and now the focus changes to racing. But I, I think your, your point was spot on. And that's why when you hear, oh, it's 100% the shoes when there's this big race or 100% something else, I just think there's more to it than that. And uh, same thing with the men's side of things, right? Mark Scott is clearly thriving off of this sort of setup, right? He's dropped all of his 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 PBs. Good good runner going in, um, and on down the line from you know Fisher, uh, Tuntavate, Woody Kincaid, like they're all running, they're all running fast. They're all thriving off of this this setup. Um, I also. No, never mind. I don't want to get into shoe stuff. I just, I don't, I don't want to do it. Yeah. I made a promise to myself. I'm not going to get into shoe stuff. Um, okay. So do you want to talk about the men now? Yeah. Mark I mean, Scott, well, he's great. Just, 
and and let's just do I, a I button on dark. that. Okay. Let me shoot a button Go. on the women's Sorry. real quick. I mean, yeah, yeah. Schweizer probably going to double. Cranny probably going to double. Enfeld clawing her way back. I think she's a threat. As I said before, I think you're going to have a starting line where 10 women can make the team. I think that's how it's going to be. Okay. Men, Mark Scott, go. Yeah, so Mark Scott, I kind of, you know, he, he's always been a solid guy. And, I, again, I think this time that he put down is, you know, indicative of the environment and plus his ability. He's still a great athlete. So, you know, he's always been elite. Um, I There was one athlete, though, that didn't win or even get second that I thought was the most interesting, and it was the college kid. Karrion Tuntivate, who... Well, not anymore. Pro, pro kid now. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Well, former college kid, but he was yeah. supposed to be in Austin this past month training with the Texas Longhorns to run an outdoor season, but it looks mm. like Jerry wooed him away from his graduate degree <laughs> at Texas and was like, come run with us. And Good call. <laughs> yeah, good call. But the thing is, like, you look at... what was He wasn't, like... This good in college. I mean, what did he finish no. in cross in 2019? No. Yeah, I know he was not. He was. He was not someone you'd mention on a short list for. Hey, here are the here are the favorites in the in the 5,000. I think yeah. he was starting so he to finished, get going he, though. He, he, he finished 28th in cross in 2019, and then yeah, a year later, he's running 27.17 in a 10k. That's <laughs> insane. Yeah. No, right. he must have seen something. Jerry must have seen something again because he, even with the adjustments, like you mentioned for for the last couple of years, times that's an insane leap forward. So Jerry must have understood that this kid was a, you know, had had this massive potential, and it just wasn't seen in his PRs or his NCAA finishes. I mean, he was at he was at Harvard, and you hear that a lot. It's like, well, they weren't when he was able to not have to study a thousand hours a day, but people study at a lot of schools too. I don't know why people only think kids study at, at like Ivy league schools. It's like I studied a lot. I went to state school. Anyway, um, Mark Scott, former NCAA champion. And I think a lot of people forget about that because everybody now, and again, I don't want to go into the shoes, but a lot of people, a lot of the shoe stuff is dismissing who they were before. And then a lot of people are like, who is this Mark Scott guy? I've never heard of him at all. What is his name? Is, is Was he the fourth guy on Tulsa's JV team? No, he won an NCAA freaking title. That's hard to do. So You know who you knows who Mark Scott is? Know who knows who Justin Mark Knight. Scott is? Justin Knight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And didn't uh, Fisher, Fisher was there that year too? Or yeah. no, am I mixing yeah. it up? Okay, yeah, yeah. Fisher was there, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's a good he's a he's a very, 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 very good runner. Um also I will mention this, just while again, while we're on the topic that I don't want to be on. Ben Truce 27-14. Yes, massive PR. You look at where that lines up on the IAAF scoring tables, very close to his 1302 5K PB. Not exactly, but very close to what he's run in in a 5K. So talk about opportunities um to race fast and not just shoes. Yeah, Fisher probably has a better chance in the 10 than the 5. Kincaid, not sure. Uh, True now has a path forward to the Olympics. And, well, Tuntavate competes for Thailand, so we'll see him in the Olympics. Mark Scott, we'll probably see uh, in the Olympics. I'm not sure how Great Britain is doing their selection this year, but I'm assuming he'll be he'll be there with, uh, with Mo Farah. And Gordon is Googling. Gordon is yeah. Googling, so, folks. The, the also, the reason why these, we these, saw these fast times, the world standard in 2019 was 2740. If that yeah. was the standard for the Olympics, was 2740, Mark Scott probably would have ran 2730 in this race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He would not have run 2710. He would have ran 2730. We're basically seeing... Just Jerry, you run to what you need to. And what they needed to do this time was 27, 20. What was, what's the standard? 27. 27, 28. Yeah. Yeah, well, 27, 28. So, I was at, so, yeah. I was at that Peyton Jordan meet. Uh, would have been 2019 when True ran the 10K. The pacing got all kind of wonky. And he missed the standard and was basically kind of frustrated. And... He's like, well, I'll just focus on the five. And he did, and he made the he made the world team again in the five. True's been good for a very long time. 
10,000 meter opportunities are really hard to come by, which is why, which is why when you get on Twitter and your first tweet after this is, how does someone improve 42 seconds in three years in a 10,000? You actually have to look at context and dig a little deeper to figure out how many times they got to race and how many times they got to race in opportunities like this, which are super rare, even in meets like Peyton Jordan, because again, you can't control everything in Peyton Jordan. If this was Peyton Jordan, Sean McGordy would not be pacing you for 8,000 meters. Sean McGordy would be entered probably in the 5,000 that happened an hour before, <laughs> and he's not going to be able to yeah. go run 27 mid for 8,000 meters. The lack of context here from people who are fans of track and field uh, is a bit is a bit startling. Uh, and again, I'll just say this: he's a minute away from the world record, so this is not ruining anything. I don't know why people think <laughs> this is just like they're running so fast. I don't know what the times mean anymore. In 2010, I believe my colleague, your colleague Ryan Fenton called Chris Selinski running 2659. Did that not happen? That happened, correct? That was 11 that, years that ago. That was 11 years ago. Another guy in his mid-20s from Jerry Schumacher's group ran 11 seconds faster. I don't think people were saying times have lost all meaning. What is the point of this? I don't understand. And also, and again, this is for real, this is my last point here. I saw some other stuff out there about how people will tune out times because they'll get too fast which totally runs in contrast with how humans consume sports which is they get more into it the more world records you see or the more all-time performances why do you think people were interested in are so interested in you know michael phelps or all those other top swimmers olympics it's record after record after record after record um shelly and fraser price if shelly and fraser price had a super duper shoe that had her run 10 three in the hundred and she broke the world record in addition in addition to all of her gold medals right there would be more people talking about shelly ann fraser price not fewer people talking about shelly ann fraser price because that would be another thing to talk about in addition to the fact that she's won so many gold medals so the records you may not like them as a purist and you may think it loses um it starts to dilute it, but I think the average sports fan or even the the track fan who dabbles in and out gets drawn in by records and fast times because it's exciting to say you saw something that was the fastest ever. So I, it's just a it's just a strange it's a strange way to approach what's going on here. And again, I'm not denying that the oh. shoes aren't good because if the shoes weren't good, people wouldn't be wearing them especially people who are sponsored by other brands. I, I get that the shoes are good, but I, I just, I push back a little bit on number one, it's ruining the competition now. I don't think it is. And number two, that it's making it less interesting to watch these races. I guarantee if it. Mark, I guarantee if Mark Scott went to Oregon for four years and had his exact same career at Oregon and then did this, everyone would just mm -hmm. be like, oh yeah. It, the development, mm -hmm. it's making sense. Yeah. He's uh, moving on. But when you go to a, a random school like a Tulsa and you're not American and no mm -hmm. one is really talking about you much, people forget the random 2016 year that he won. You know, like yeah. people pick and choose narratives that make sense to them. Like if – like Nico – like – when Nico Young runs, it's going to be looked differently than when Abdi Hamid Nur runs, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People, no one, even at, like, literally, Abdi Hamid Nur beat Nico just by, they, they go one, two together. But, like, the headline, it was always going to be Nico, even though they're literally probably, like, a, a year apart and maybe a year or two apart in age, not that much. Mm -hmm. One's a sophomore, one's a freshman, and they're together, but Nico has the story, and it's always going to be the narrative story. And, that's why people don't want to accept who is great until they've done great things for multiple times before they're allowed to yeah. like accept that it's greatness. I mean, it's the same reason why uh, Michael Saruni wasn't selected to run at the 2017 World Champs 
they like chose David Rudisha over him because Saruni just showed well, up randomly. In their defense, David Rudisha no, gets a, passed. No, but Rudisha didn't even run. Oh, I know, I know, he but I'm, I that that yeah, no, but that's a little bit different than blending together Nico no, Young like, and Abdi Hamadur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, Saruni goes and gets second at the, the Kenyan trials. Right, no one in the Kenyan yeah, yeah. Federation knew who he was. So they're like, oh, what is yeah. this? No, we need to go with the already known. Right. And then they pick two guys who end up scratching. And then Saruni's like, now years later, look at Saruni. He just ran 145 easily at yeah. that ATL meet. He's one of the best yeah. guys in their country. But they didn't want to accept him until he was like a known commodity, you know, because mm -hmm. they were ignoring his UTEP results. And I just feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's what people do. Some like, people get, yeah. oh, we just forget about. Mark Scott, because he wasn't in the U.S. collegiate system the right way as being part of like yeah. Oregon or something. So yeah, that's all I'm saying. yeah, and I yeah, and it's funny though because you go look at back at his results. There's a lot of years he finished second at the British Champs, so you'd figure people at least over there would recognize this runner who was showing up to the national championships and running well. Doesn't make doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You mentioned American Track League. Uh, Helen McLean putting together a nice indoor season. Gordon, I think she's a dark horse 1500 meter contender. She ran two flat 53. That's three wins for her indoors. We also saw Allison Felix come back 2059. And Jalen Slade, remember this name, Jalen Slade 20.62 broke Noel Lowes' high school record in the in the 200 indoors. 2063. Who's the kid who went pro? Isn't there another Arian Knighton. Kid on pro? Arian so Knighton. Arian Knighton, yeah. Jalen Slade. Who Maybe a little Norman Lyles. A little Norman, Norman Lyles. There we Redux go. From, 2024. from 2016. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see him at the we'll see him at this year's trials, though. That was where yeah. you know Lyles and Norman really had their their breakout. That's true. In because there's a lot of high school kids who run good times at these postseason meets, and then they go to the trials or USA's and they fizzle out because they're tired or they're pressured or because again, one fast performance doesn't really dictate who you are as, as an athlete. But then Norman Lyle showed up to trials and made it all the way through the finals and went four, four or five. And then you're like, okay, these guys are legit. Like these guys are going to be here in, in four years time, which ends up being five years time because we didn't have a championship. <laughs> we didn't have trials. But anyway. Um, okay. Anything, anything else from – you mentioned Saruni from the American track. Yeah, he ran 145 easily. Uh, so don't forget about him. He's going to be good. Do you think he was motivated we... by the fact that Elliot Giles passed him uh, for number two all-time <laughs> indoors in what was a performance that uh, no, people had to say? That... Okay. He didn't know. No, I don't think he cared. He's like, whatever. It's okay. cool. Um, when are we doing this pod again? Because for those who don't know, I'm actually hopping on a on a plane in like a few hours. You finally I'm actually got a plane. Out of, got, a, got a plane. Uh, I'm going back to Vegas. So I am going to be – I'm going to Flagstaff. I'm going to get a workout with a certain team. And then – I'm going to go on Wednesday to the West Coast Conference Championships, which are in Vegas, which is the BYU, Portland, Gonzaga, San Francisco Conference, uh, and get some coverage of that meet. That's on a Wednesday. They're doing a conference championship on a Wednesday. Not weird. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So, okay. So weird. So you're saying you can't? So that's where I'll you be. can't do Wednesday. So maybe we do Thursday, Friday this week. Monday, Thursday, yeah, Friday. Maybe do Thursday. React to. Okay. The uh, Wednesday and Tuesday cross country races because we do have Oklahoma okay. State running a meet on Tuesday. So, okay, so we'll go Monday. We'll try to go Monday, Thursday, Friday this week. So, you, yeah, we won't talk to you guys for a couple days, but it'll be for a good reason. Gordon is hitting the road, um, for getting to the bottom of who's fast, who's not fast, who's gonna be fast, who's NAU's seventh guy. We don't know. We don't know. We'll figure all know. this out. We'll find all right. out. Yeah, maybe you'll update the rankings, though, this week. So you cross-country fans out there, stay tuned to the site because Gordon will have some rankings. Top 250. Top 250. Mm -hmm. See who's ranked 50th, 250th in the country. 
Yeah, or 212th, right? Don't sleep on oh, 212. Yeah. They could have a good day crawling yeah. to the, the top 150. You never know. Yeah. All right, we'll leave it there. Again, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube if you can. Leave comments there. I know last week was so hectic that we didn't get to them, but you can leave comments as well. You can also listen to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks to Alon for producing. We'll talk to you guys starting on Thursday. Wish Gordon well on his travels. <laughs>